Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 10 of The Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listener. My name is Matt Jay and with me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how are you doing today? Uh, yeah, I'm alright. Yeah, 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 I get it. Yeah. Doing, just, I mean... just doing. Just doing. Just just straight ahead, just doing it up. Just doing just, another day here, Dave. Mm-hmm. So we're back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, it's been a few weeks. Been, been, been a heck of a couple of weeks, Dave. A heck of a couple of weeks. Um, exciting. Exciting times. In some ways, I don't sure. Wanna, yeah. In some ways. Uh, depending on your, depending on whether, you know, you care about human beings or if you're a horrifying monster, I guess. And Dave, speaking of horrifying monsters and caring about human beings, today we are watching episode 10 of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger, titled Farewell, Sorrowful Android. Just wanted to get the... Uh, it's a, yeah, no, thank you. It is, it's a very good episode. It's a good episode. Pretty good transition, too. Realize it was sort of a hard shift. Sort of a it hard shift. real hard. Well, there's a lot of hard shifting <laughs> going on right now, Matt. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Dave. How about... See, that would have been great. If we were still doing Car Ranger, that would have been a very good oh, yeah. jumping off point. Uh, we can do an episode of Car Ranger. I still got my old notes somewhere. Nah, I'm all right. I want to do... Uh, here, what, what do we got? What do we got? Episode uh, 45? Uh, let's see. I think Kesuke was dr- dreaming of catching Zanette before she hopped on a bus. Tries to declare. Oh, that was a love. really good episode, actually. Yeah, we can do that. So let's shift right into that. Now, my, my notes are gone. Dave, of course, first we have our officially award winning opening segment Shining in the Heavens. There are five stars. What is our first star of the week? So, our first star of the week, Matt, as it is always, is uh, Isolation Update. Yes, Isolation Update. Isolation Update. How are you, Dave? I know we've already sort of gone through this a bit. Yeah, we've already sort of gone through this. So, I mean, here's the... So, we didn't have an episode the last two weeks. Uh, obviously, you you may have noticed, um, it just didn't feel okay to joke about Sentai over the course of the last two weeks. Yeah, like, there's... It, there's a lot of stuff going on right now that is uh, perhaps more important to pay attention to than uh, Dave and I making some jokes. Definitely not. No, perhaps about it. This is definitely way more, way more important um, to pay attention to those things and um, and protests are continuing as they very well should. Um, I I unabashedly support that. Um, I'm very much for it. 
Um, we are, I think I mentioned, uh, Beth and Beth and sugar bean both have pre-existing, uh, lung, lung conditions. And so we are not really able to go out in public right now. Um, we're still staying very, very close to home. And so we haven't been able to get out, um, to join those protests. But if I, I would say that if you can, you should. Uh, yes, that's co-signed. It's it is it is it, it's a tricky thing, right? Because like right now with the uh, global pandemic and the like righteous indignation of the protests in the streets, it feels somehow morally irresponsible to both go out and stay home. Yeah, there is not, and like, well, and like, like honestly, man, listen, you know, I, I think is sort of. I, I'm sorry to cut you off. That, no, go ahead. That kind of feels like a bit of a um, a good uh, a good correlation to the way that I have felt about doing the podcast for the last couple of weeks. Like on one hand, like listen, we do not have a big platform. I see the download numbers of this show. Thank you yeah, for, for listening, sure. but I know that our numbers are not legion. You know, like on one hand, like. This technically is a platform, and if you have a platform to sort of be saying this sort of stuff, you should be using it, right? But on the other hand, there are a lot of other better voices to be listening to than me right now. Yeah, man. Uh, um, so it is. It has been sort of tricky to figure out sort of like what to be doing. Yeah, um, and I, I think it's very good to say, and I think this is really good advice, that... Um, you know, maybe stop talking for, for a lot of people, like stop talking and start listening. And, um, and you should, but this show is literally just us talking. Right. So yeah. it would be a very weird hour of audio if it were just, just you and I like you. Right. Li- right. I mean, I guess you and I could listen in silence to something on our own headsets. Right. That's not going to that be, be bad. That's not going to be super satisfying for the listeners though. Um, um, yeah, that Dave, would that would I mean, not Dave, be great. At some point, we need to grapple with the fact that this show has a real diversity problem. It, yeah, it. Uh, well, listen, there's Tall Steve. Um, <laughs> no, I mean you and I. <laughs> oh well, yes, but there's Matt, nothing we can um, really do about that one. There's, well, it's just the two of us, and so I, we've been thinking. And you know, and here's the other here's the other thing is that um, I've mentioned this a handful of times on, on the show. It doesn't come up a whole, whole lot, but um, my kids are, are not biological kids. They're foster kids, and we're adopting them. And, uh, but they're black, and we're white. And so I don't have... It's certainly not totally unique um, as a white dude, but it is certainly an unusual perspective as a white dude to have black kids like most white people have white kids and my kids are black and um i don't know what i have to say about that but if i figure it out i'll i'll mention it to you yeah, keep me posted uh, i yeah i mean i guess the only thing that i can think to say is that like if my kid went to Wendy's and didn't come back, um, I'd be pretty inclined to burn this shit to the ground too. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Let I, I don't have anything. I don't know what to say about it, other than like the indignation is righteous 
and and people should keep protesting until it changes um absolutely that's 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 kind of all i got you don't want to listen to two knuckleheads talk about this anymore yeah anyway dave um that leads us to our second star of the week (laughs) which is mercifully a lot easier to talk about so what matt is our second star of the week Dave, our second star of the week is that the weather has been getting nicer. It ha- Oh, man, it's been getting so much nicer. Um, it was really, really hot for like two days. It was awful. Oh, yeah. I, I pulled my air conditioning unit out of the basement. I set it up for two days and then immediately took it back down because the weather, like, we had one big rainstorm and the temperature dropped like 20 degrees in about five minutes, maybe, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes. Uh, and so I've just moved my air conditioner into the spare room where it awaits uh, another season, a couple of weeks from now, probably. Um, but because it has been nice out, I have been um, getting back into taking long walks after work, which is so nice. I mean, when I say after work, I just like I'm I'm all, I work from home now always, um, right? And so I am home, and it's very nice to be out of the apartment because I think I mentioned at one point that like during April, I just did not leave like the property that my apartment sits on. Yeah, that is uh that's tight, man. It no, was, I've been it getting was the twins out. I've been getting the twins out for walks and they have been really, really, really digging it. Yeah. Um, now now Dave, here here is the thing about my walks recently. Is that as I have mentioned, I live fairly close to Lake Erie. Specifically, I live fairly close to Edgewater Park, which is mm-hmm. like the if you're not from the Northeast Ohio area, it is the sort of like the park beach bit that is like the largest part of that on the sort of like near west side close to downtown Cleveland, right? Like there are other yeah. beaches up and down Lake Erie, but like insofar as like this part of the city goes, this is like the one big one, right? But because of the pandemic, a lot of the, uh, like, the park itself is not closed down, right? But to discourage people from, like, all congregating at the park, they have closed off parts of the parking lots for the park. Oh, oh! so, like, you can only get so many cars in, and therefore, logically, right. you will also limit the number of people. Theoretically, yeah. Um, especially there's, like, a sort of side beach directly to the left of Edgewater, that has its own parking lot. And that's just been closed for, you know, they never reopened it when the season came around. Um, But the thing is that that is not stopping literally anyone because what is happening instead is that they're all, like everyone drives to that parking lot, realizes that it is closed, and it's just like, oh, well, I'll park on the street. And what is astonishing to me is that they have continued to do this for weeks and weeks Despite the fact that you absolutely cannot park on those streets, like there are signs posted everywhere, and cars are <laughs> constantly getting ticketed. And so as I'm going on my afternoon walks, it is much more crowded than it normally is, which is not ideal given the circumstances. But also, yeah. I'm just walking past like ticketed car after ticketed car every day. <laughs> But it's also been, it's been really another weird thing that I saw on the walks uh, was that there were a bunch of people sitting in a uh, sitting in a front yard, 
and some of them appeared to be the people who lived there. Some of them were just people who were like walking down the sidewalk who had sort of stopped in front of this house because the owners of this house had like hired a string duet to stand in front of their house and like put on a show, I guess because live music is very difficult to come by and they wanted to do something, right? And when I I had my headphones in, I was listening to a podcast as I was uh, walking past and I was like, oh, how nice. What like a fun... Cool. What a fun, cool thing. thing. Like how, like this is, you know, like the, like the neighborhood doing a, you know, they're all, like they're in the yard, but they're all sort of like standing sort of apart right, from each other. Right, it was separate and yeah. Um, you know, people across the street who had been walking by sort of like slowing down and stopping and sitting on the tree lawn to listen to it. And I took my headphones out and I realized that what they were playing was, it was like a violin and a cello playing Hey Jude. And was immediately okay, sure. repelled by this. And like, and like, listen, you know I'm a Beatles guy. You know I'm a Beatles guy. I know hey, you are, yeah. Hey Jude is a song I like. It's not my favorite Beatles song. Not even off my favorite album. But it's a good song. Yeah. But like, it's not the sort of song that you love for its like beautiful melody, I don't think. And especially for like a two-part uh, string group like man like i i did not stick around to see how long they went through the na 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 hey judes but like they didn't skip that part of the song (laughs) (laughs) well you can't right it's like the most recognizable portion of the song right anyway so walks have been weird recently dave uh do you have you taken any interesting ones uh, nope. Only, I mean, I took a walk. Um, the, the twins are just getting older. And so there's a lot like, like we bring the stroller with us and they like walk next to the stroller and then they sort of like hop in and hop out. But, um, it's just pretty crazy. Cause like, they're just getting like they're three and a half now and they are just like, they're just full on kids. Like they're yeah. not, you know, like they're not babies anymore. They're not toddlers anymore. Like, I mean, they're still small kids, but like. They're just kids and they can talk to you and have like full conversations and express themselves and like listen to directions, albeit poorly. Um, so that's pretty wild. But but no, the walks are just the same walks that we've we've been doing for the last three years. Uh, what, Matt, is our third star of the week? The third star of the week is that um, I, as you know, currently um, live sports are canceled. Correct. Um, yeah. And also the upcoming Summer Olympics. Huge blow to us. The upcoming Summer Olympics have been canceled. Or at least postponed. Yeah. They have been postponed. That is pretty wild. Um, particularly because you and I actually already had like Tokyo 2020 Olympic merch. That's true. Actually, we do. I, yeah. Uh, I've got like an enamel pin and a towel, a decorative towel. Yeah. Um, I, I was actually, I don't know if I mentioned this on the show. I was going to go because our sister lives pretty close to where they're doing some of the events. I was going to mm-hmm. like take a vacation this summer to like go to Tokyo to visit her. And we were going to like go to the Olympics. Um, and that obviously is not happening at least this summer. Um, yeah, definitely not. But what I realized one day, I was like, wait a second. The Olympics have been going on intermittently for a very long time. And the uh, yeah. and like they have been filmed, 
And so I just went, like, I, yeah. I just like hopped on YouTube and I was like, I want to watch the 1994 Lillehammer Winter Olympics. And I just popped it up and there's tons of it. And like, it's been on what actually what I thought was going to happen is like, oh, 1994. There's no way I remember anything from the 1994 Winter Olympics. That was ages ago. It'll be like I'm watching it all again new. And then when I started watching it, I realized that the 1994 Winter Olympics was Nancy Kerrigan and Tanya Harding. And I, Who, and I was like, boy. oh, okay. No, I remember all of this. And then, I, <laughs> then there was a bunch of other stuff like, oh, yeah, uh, Elvis Stoiko. I remember that guy from Canada. And, like, every name that came up of every, like, figure skater, I was like, ah, well, yeah, sure. Um, I, I can't remember any of them, the rest of them off the top of my head right now. But, like, every one of them was like, I remember this person. I remember watching this in 1994. I remember the entire, like, narrative of this person as it was presented, like, mm-hmm. through the TV. It is wild to go back and watch that stuff and realize how deeply some of that just like imprinted on my young brain but also oh yeah dude i found i found a uh what do you call it i found a a picture book from when i was a kid and as soon as i opened it up i immediately was like oh man i didn't remember that i remembered these pictures but i do yeah. Uh, anyway, if you are sad about the Olympics or missing whatever live sports uh, you would like to be watching right now, a lot of it's on YouTube, folks. Uh, get at it. Anyway, Dave, what is our fourth star of the week? So our fourth star of the week is that I am I am still doing a lot of baking. Uh, Beth has hey, actually asked me to stop because we are both, you know, trying to watch what we eat. And uh, I did not realize when I started baking, I was like, oh, like, I'm just going to learn how to make croissants and like that'll kind of be that. And then it's really sort of spiraled mm-hmm. from there. Well, the, the, yeah, um, I mean, that when you make a croissant, you got to you got to spiral it up. Yeah. And so <laughs> that was not even a anyways. And so I have been doing it a lot more and I I've been continuing. I've kind of been like bouncing around different croissant recipes and I did find one. It's by a guy named Bruno Albuze, A-L-B-O-U-Z-E. And uh, he is hilariously, I would say almost aggressively French. Um, but you'd he love is to see a, it. Yeah, uh, but he is a patissier and uh, a baker and stuff. Out of He's from France, but he's in California now. And I watched his video I- and definitely had the best results I've ever had. You actually had some when you when you came over Saturday. Oh yeah, they were great. And yeah, I realized that I've been hugely under kneading my dough. Mm. Um, that's that I think has been my biggest problem is that I've been really, really way under kneading my dough, and so I need it. And now I think I just need to mess with like um, the temperature in my oven because my oven isn't it's fine, but it's not like super great. So I think I need uh, to sort of tweak the cooking time and temperature. Mm. But I, I basically have it cracked. So that's nice. uh, my oldest daughter, my oldest um, foster daughter uh, turned 17. Today, it's her birthday, and I made her like a lemon meringue Ooh. tart with like a, a walnut crust. So that's cool. I, 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 I have cream not, I have not been day. doing any, any pastry stuff myself. I have been, I've been sticking to just doing bread, specifically just doing the same loaf of bread over and over. 
No, that's how you do it, man. Um, that's how Beth learned to make bread. Yeah. So, but but the thing is that the dough I've been the the bread I've been making is a no need uh, dough. Like you just you put the stuff in the bowl and you mix it up, and then like twelve to eighteen hours later, you take it out, you fold it over once or twice, and then like wait another two hours, and then you put it in the oven, and then it's bread. right. So like so basic. So the thing is that like. Most of the loaves of bread I've made have been very solid. Um, but the few that I've screwed up, because there are only like four steps to doing it, it's it is frustrating because I'm like, I know that I just did one thing wrong, and because there's only four variables, I know which one of those things it was. <laughs> <laughs> like it's very easy to point to my own mistakes. Yeah, I know I would I would suggest. Do a loaf that requires some kneading. Um, it's very satisfying. I believe you. I don't have a ton of counter space, which is kind of my, which is sort of a limiting factor of like how oh, much yeah, like I can working that would be a I can do. Um, but yeah, it's been working out really nicely. Nice. Um, what, Matt, is our fifth star of the week? Our fifth star of the week is... Oh, I wasn't done talking about bread. Dave, there's one more thing I oh, want sorry, to dog. say about bread. Um... Is that I have, I, I've got like a toaster oven set up um, in place of where I used to have my microwave set up. My microwave is uh, on on vacation right now. I moved it to the basement to see if I could get away with just not using it because uh, mm-hmm. it takes up a lot of room. And so I've been doing, you know, I've been making bread and I have a toaster oven, so I've been making toast. But because I'm also making the bread, mm-hmm. like... You know, I do all this stuff, I make the bread, the bread is made, and then later, I'll, like, cut a piece of... It's just wild to me, the idea of, like, I've done all this work to make bread, and then Uh I have to cut off a slice and cook it again for, like, four minutes, just a few minutes, to make it, like, another thing. The idea of toast has always seemed very mundane to me, but now that I'm also making the bread... The idea of toast is like this weird extravagance, and I can't like quite <laughs> can't quite put my finger cook on it, like, how to again. describe it. Yeah, um, but it's like yes, it, this took you twenty hours to make, but it's not done yet because you need to slice a little bit off and cook it for five Just more a minutes. Tiny bit, yeah. <laughs> anyway, fifth star of the week well, is video games. <laughs> Uh, Have you been playing anything? I think I might grab. There's a huge salon right now. I might. I think I might uh, finally grab Hitman Two. Oh, I know you're a big Hitman fan. I am. Um, I have been playing. I, I realized that I had sort of gotten in a rut of only playing like either roguelikes or open world games, just like big sprawling. You can just sort of like throw yourself at it kind of indefinitely, um, mm-hmm. and have it like absorb a bunch of your time because. I had a lot of time to let it absorb, frankly. So I was playing yep. like, you know, I, had, I was playing Fallout 76. I was playing Animal Crossing. I was playing Dead Cells. A lot of just like big open games. And I realized that like I missed games that had an ending and like a like a very specific like campaign story mode. Right. Like you start and then you end and then it's done. So I've been playing Dishonored 2, which is really fun. But I also played all the way through Ace Combat 7, Skies Unknown, because it was free with the Game Pass. And I was like, oh, sure, it's like an airplane game. I'll get in an airplane and I'll fly around and I'll do like airplane missions. That'll be fun. Right, love it. And what I realized 
is pretty much as soon as I start, it's like, oh, this isn't just like an airplane combat sim game. This is like some like grade A Gundam Wing nonsense, but with airplanes instead of mecha. It's like a mecha anime, but instead of mechs, it's just planes. Like the story of okay. this game is hilarious. And, like, so overwrought. It's like, okay, there's this continent that's constantly at war. And (laughs) the last time they were at war, like, to form peace, they got together to build a space elevator. But now there's, like, a new war, but it's all, like, there's a lot of drones, like, drone planes involved. But the drone planes are programmed using the flight patterns of this old, old man who was the ace, who was like the ace pilot from two wars ago, but he's still alive and can still fly. And they're having him fly so that they can like pattern the drone planes after what his brain does. And you are like a guy who gets sentenced to prison, but in, but like prison in an air force base. So you get put into like, a squadron of all like convicts and you're doing okay. like a suicide squad thing. We're like, ah, we'll just throw you at our problem. But then in the end you end up saving the whole war. Cause you're the best pilot in the universe or something. It's amazing. Yeah. That sounds pretty wild. I mean, is it also a good pilot game? Uh, I mean, I don't play a lot of pilot games, so I don't have a lot of like perspective, but I had a lot of fun with it. They've, right, this is how this is how anime this game is. One of the voices was done by Steve Bloom. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah so like it's very anyway. That's that's all I had to talk about. Um, really at all. And I think then it is time for us to take a break and talk about episode ten of Denji Sentai Mega Ranger. It is called Farewell, so sorrowful android. Its original air date was. Uh, 420, 1997, April 20th. Uh, it was written by Naruhisa Arakawa. We're going to take a break, and we will be right back. Okay, welcome back. Episode 10, the episode so nice, I've watched it thrice. Okay, well that actually will even out, because I actually did only watch it the one time. And that was two weeks ago, and I had planned to watch it again, but the day kind of got away from me. So I'm just operating in the notes. Yeah, and a lot of, like, positive energy about it. (laughs) Here is something that I wanted to uh, bring up that I don't think I've mentioned yet. Because I was, uh, as I was watching the episode, I was watching, like, the, the opening bits, which normally, like, I kind of lied over. But they show us, like, a little cut in for each ranger. Mm-hmm. And Kenta is eating, and Kuichiru is exercising, and Shun is at a computer, and Chisato is studying, and Miku is just playing at a fountain and eating candy. And I feel like they've just really nailed all five. Like, that's perfect. Yeah. Because it tells me everything about all five rangers. Especially because Miku is both eating candy and, like, clumsily failing to eat candy. She's, like, trying to open the bag of candy and it just, like, explodes. Yeah, they do a great job. So, anyways, the episode itself. We begin nighttime in the city. Hot down. Somewhere in the city. Back of my neck feeling dirty and gritty. Bend down. Isn't that a pity? 
Doesn't seem to be any shadows in the city. All around the people looking, looking out there, walking, walking on, on the sidewalk, kind of than a match head. head. Anyways, there's probably no way that that is going to sync up in any way to sound good. Uh, no, yeah, definitely will not. But that is a great song. Great song. You, you know what I realized, Dave? Totally unrelated to this episode, but very related to two people trying to sing over the internet together. Have you seen on the internet since all of this pandemic stuff has been going on, the uh, the bits were like, they'll have a a band all like on a zoom call playing a song together or like the cast yeah, of a musical yeah, there's been a number of these yeah there's a lot of these going around yeah you ever tried to do that in real life those are all presented as though they are happening in real time but they are 100 percent all recording their bits separately and editing them together you know of course of course that would be madness but, like, to try to do it all we, we tried to like sing happy birthday to one of the people on my team at work and like the horrid cacophony that ensued. I was like, oh, yeah, no, all of that stuff is edited, like, to the gills. Well, I mean, not to peel back the curtain too, too much and show you how the sausage is made, but, I mean, that's absolutely why we do the show. That's why we do our show that way. Well, that's true, yeah. So, you know, with you, like, you kind of do your full half, and then you send me the audio, and then I just kind of record into the gaps... Yeah, to sort of like you know, you know fill yeah, it out. so you can get a really clean, a clean edit. Yeah, you know, I it, and it's always difficult because I have to sort of like have a stopwatch to like constantly going to figure out how much time I'm going to leave between my sentences to give you time to be able to say something. And yeah, then sometimes well, I don't know, leave the, quite enough time. The upside of it, <laughs> the upside of doing it that way, is that I can really, I can kind of groundhog day my responses. You know, like I can try something and see if it works uh, and if it kind of fits in just into what you were going to say. So, um, but, you know, it's a little more effort, but we think it's worth it to present you with the, the really polished product that we do. Yeah, the, the, the audio fidelity we get doing it this way is unparalleled. Yeah, it's fantastic. So we are, it's, it's traffic at night, back of my neck feeling dirty and gritty, and there is a lady... And she's walking in traffic, and she has what is very obvious. She's just a lady. Mm-hmm. She's not evil in any way, uh, except she has a wand. It's not a wand. It starts off looking like a wand, but it's a flute. And it's very, it is 100% an evil flute. An evil, magical, bat-themed flute. Yes, yeah, extremely evil flute. Uh, she stands in the middle of the road and, like, yep. prepares to play the flute, like, lifts it up to her face. Um, and then as she is doing this, a huge truck just like bears down on her and the show actually doesn't because she has no, like she just is standing in the middle right. of the road. Like she doesn't have a reflective gear on no, or she anything. She is wearing like... all white. Uh, I will give her that. Um, so he probably should have seen her, but you know, uh, the, the show actually does some nice camera work to, show you that this woman gets hit by a truck without showing you her getting hit by a truck. Yeah. Um, the truck driver stops, runs out, goes over to her. She's like rolled over to the side of the road. He runs over and is like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And she just like turns, like, you know, gets up, looks at him. 
like stands to her feet and then he's still sort of like crouched down because he had like crouched down to check on her. She like stands up, looks down at him and smiles. And he, I think very reasonably, very reasonably, completely loses it and just runs away shrieking. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, she is co- sort of confused not... by this uh, this reaction. Yeah, uh, she's like, "What's what's going yeah, on?" I smiled at him. That's why. Why would you scream about that? Uh, yeah. So she just sort of wanders away without her flute, though, because the flute has been broken in the car accident. We see it sort of in two oh, pieces yeah, on yeah, the street. Yeah. So we go from there to the school, and the school day is over, and the girls have somehow managed to convince Kenta to carry all their bags. And they all say, oh, we're all going to go, like, hang out at the movies or something. And Miku specifically asks Shun. She's like, hey, it would be really cool, like, we're all going, so it's not like a date date. But, like, she's kind of asking him out, like, it would be very cool if you specifically came to the movies because I specifically would like to hang out right. with you. Right. Like, she she says, I know you wanted to see this movie. I got two tickets. Let's go. Oh, that's right. They're the only ones that they were planning to go to the movie. Yeah. And Shun is like, um, thanks, but no thanks. I don't actually feel like doing that. I'll catch you cats later. Have a good one. Uh, Everybody's extremely confused about this, particularly Miku. Right. Miku is... Miku... Throughout the course... Okay. In this episode, it is going to seem as though Miku is in love with Shun and wants to go on dates with him. Um, That has not been the case in the show prior to this episode, and I don't know if it's going to happen after this episode, but during the two days of this episode at least... Miku definitely has a thing for Shun and wants to go on dates with him. Yeah, for sure. So everybody's confused. Uh, and Chisato, I think it's Chisato. Chisato says, listen. Uh, it's Kuchiru, actually. Weird. Thank you. Sorry. So it's Kuchiru. So Kuchiru says, like, listen, I know that that was weird. But if for somehow you guys did not know, which would be weird because they're all supposed to be super besties. But Kuchiru's like, listen. Uh, today is actually the anniversary of Shun's mom's death. She was like this world-renowned flautist, and she, you know, like, she died on this day, like, a number of years ago. So, it's not you, Miku, like, it's just Shun's dead mom. Right. He needs to go off and, like, Bruce Wayne it somewhere, like, you know, in a field. Um, It's, yeah. So, speaking of that, we cut to a field. Um, actually, we cut to a flashback in the yes. field where a a young Shun, I mean, younger than he is in the show, is listening yeah, to his mom play the flute. And she's playing this very nice song. And when we cut sort of from the flashback back to the regular time, we can see that Shun, who like has his mother's flute, is himself playing the song that his mother was playing in the flashback. And he's sort of, you know, like sad and wistful and thinking about his mom. When suddenly, suddenly, another flautist appears. Yeah, now I was confused because I thought that like somehow this was his mom and that they had like gotten the memory of Shun's mom and turned that into a monster. It's not. It's just it's just the android. And spoilers, um, Dave, we don't know she's an android yet. Oh, sorry. Although the, def- the title of this episode is Farewell, Sor- Sorrowful Android. 
So yeah, you, so it's not like a you should be not a huge bubble. To yeah, pop. you should be able to tell two things from that. One, there's an android, and two, at the end of this episode, we're gonna say farewell to her. Yeah, she's gone. Uh, she's not a recurring character. Oh, uh, I am gonna note this only one time, but you should keep in mind if you sort of like if you sort of envision these episodes as you're like listening to us talk about them. Uh, just envision any time somebody plays the flute. They never move their hands. And if they ever do, ever. It, it is so out of sync with what the sounds are supposed to be happening. It is like, comical. There is not even the vaguest effort to make it look as though they are playing. Like, they might... You would not even think that these people were playing a flute if it were a still photograph, like their hands are so far from being anything even vaguely like correct for playing the flute. So just, if you're imagining someone playing the flute, don't just imagine someone standing there with like a speaker behind them. And that's where the flute music is coming from. It must be. Cause like, listen, if I were holding a flute, I don't know how to play the flute, but if I were holding the flute and I was listening to the song, I would be able to move my fingers in some sort of rhythm that would make it look, if you didn't know that I, if you didn't know how to play the flute, that at least I was moving my fingers at the right time, which might indicate that I was doing right, the right or thing. Like your fingers would be on the keys right. or something. In, in this case, they were just like, I don't know. They probably hadn't, like, figured out what song they were going to play yet. And they were like, well, you can't move your fingers, because if you do, it's not going to match the song, because we don't know what the song is. So just stand it. We're going to pan past you pretty quickly. No one's going to be talking about this extensively in, like, 20 years, so don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> so so Shun plays this song, and uh, the android sees him, and she's like, oh, may I? Like, and indicates, like, could you please let me see that flute? And Shun says, sure, complete stranger. I will absolutely hand you my dead mother's world-renowned flute. No problem. I mean, let's, let's see what you do with this priceless family heirloom. I mean, she's a pretty girl and Shun's a high schooler. Like. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Never, you don't even have to say anything else. Yeah, of course he would. He would. Yeah. Uh, so she then plays the exact same song. Um, it sounds the exact same because they are just playing that audio file again. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, they stand there for several hours, unmoving and presumably unspeaking, while the sun goes from like early afternoon to full on sunset. And then they talk again. We don't see that happen. It's just what must have happened. Right, based on the lighting one decisions shot, they've made. Right. <laughs> one shot, it's like three o'clock. And then the next shot, it's sunset. So later that night, um, all around the city, you see this girl walking around with the evil flute, um, just playing... A different tune, an evil tune. An extremely evil tune. And as she does, she is like inciting riots. Cars are crashing into each other. People are getting into fights. There are fires. There are explosions. It is very creepy. Uh, 
It again makes me wonder what this show's car crash budget is because there are at least four cars that they very seriously damage. Um, and like it, it ends on a shot of like her walking down the street with fire behind her as she continues to play this tune. Yeah, it's a pretty good shot. Um, I assume they must just have some some sort of like used car hookup because for a show with with presumably like the fairly low budget like television wise of super sentai those dudes crash a lot of cars yeah like it's not that they crash a car every episode but every episode where they crash a car they crash six cars I certainly would not say that they are shy about crashing cars. Yeah. It's upsetting, is what it is. Um, <laughs> now, at the end of this like montage of destruction, the camera pans up and we see Bat Nazare from the previous episode, but now he's sort of like rebuilt. He's got like like he's he's like battle damaged, but also like altered in some ways. It's not just that he's worse, it's that he's been, like, reconfigured. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way to say it. He, this is, like, the pretty classic, like, oh, the monster was destroyed, and then they have, like, rebuilt him with, like, some robot-y parts and blah, blah, blah. We will later find out that he is now calling himself Neo Bat Nazare. And I assume it's the same monster that has been rebuilt and not a new monster that has been built like using the bits of the other one. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's very much the case. Oh, there is something I wanted to mention, Matt, about the cars. And uh the thing that I wanted to mention with the cars is that when they you said that they crashed, uh they did like crash and explode and catch on fire. And also, there was not, like, a quick shot of the people driving those cars, like, quick ducking out or, like, duck rolling out of the cars before they crashed. So, just, like, those people are 100% dead. Like, no question. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I just, I just wanted to clarify that that is... That is yeah, no, it's, it is a bad happen. scene. I mean, it's a good scene in the TV show. It was. It is a bad situation for the people right. involved. So uh, the next thing we see is Shun is with the flute. This is like a. This is like a flashback to when he met met her, uh, the android, I guess. And before she leaves, Shun's with the flute, and he's remembering saying like, "Oh, well, it's been very nice to meet you. I'm Shun. Who are you?" And she just says you make up a name for me and then sort of like manic pixie dreams girls her way away which uh should i know that you have not been a superhero for a very long time but as a superhero that is never an okay answer yes uh, uh like anybody who gives you that answer is automatically part of an evil plot so Shun is, instead of being worried about this, he is just sort of daydreaming about whoever this girl is. And yeah. the other four Mega Rangers are spying on him through a window. And Miku is, as previously mentioned, like weirdly invested, like weirdly suddenly invested in wanting to date Shun and like 
heartbroken by the suggestion that he is daydreaming about another girl. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Kubota interrupts and he's like, hey, y'all, there's been terrible violence all over the world. So many places. And Shun rejoins them at this point or like at some point he just shows up off screen, but he's there about to say something. And uh, Dr. Kubota says, everywhere we there is violence, we see this one specific girl. And she's always got this flute, and then everybody flips. So we don't know what the deal is, but, like, obviously something bad is happening. And then they, they see a picture of the girl, and obviously it is the, the girl from before. Um, yeah. So Shun, like, sees this picture and just, like, gets a panicked look in his face and just runs away. Yeah, he totally flips out. Uh what we what we then see is Bat Nazaret and Neo Bat Nazaret. Sydney, sorry, Neo Bat Nazaret. And he's got a bunch of these androids. So it's not that the Shun the one that Shun met is like somehow traveling all over the world. There's just like five hundred copies of this android and he met one of them. Yeah, so basically, like if you recall from the previous episode Bat Nazare like sent out these bats out of this like thing in his chest, and those bats flew around and like influenced people's minds. Now, instead of having a bunch of bats, he has a bunch of like android flautists that have yeah. kind of taken their place. Yes, uh, we s- and then we go from there to uh, the Nazare dimension, and what we find out is is it's like Doctor Hinalar and Shibalena or something, and where they say, "Hey." This is going super great, except Android number 167 is not following orders. Like, she's offline. We're not really sure what's going on. But, like, she's not doing the right thing. So, figure it out and destroy her. Yeah. Like, go hunt her down, destroy her, so that the plan keeps going. Uh, I, my favorite part about this scene is that they say, this time, since we're using human-shaped, like, creatures to disseminate the mind control... No one will notice like they did when we were using bats. Right. Like, but they have considered that they should have used, like, I don't know, different looking people instead of just having, like, an army of clone robots with, like, scary flutes. Because obviously they noticed. We know they noticed because Dr. Kubota showed us a photograph of Two seconds ago. Well, that's the best part, is that we've already established in the continuity of the episode that they have very definitely right. noticed. Right, and so, like, Uganda is like, oh my gosh, Dr. Hinalar, that's such a great idea, you're a genius. But we, the viewers, know that that is not the case. So, Shun goes back to that same spot, and of course, she's just... There. There. Um, they're actually... Now, I say that... They actually do give a vague explanation as to why she's there. Shun's like, what's going on? Why are you here? Who are you? And she says, well, I only have memories of, like, this one place. So in in that sense, it kind of does make... It's logical that she would just kind of hang out there because, like, where else is she, is she going to go? Right. Kind of. Like, this isn't her home, but, like, it's, you know... It's as good as anywhere else when you don't know anything. Right. Um, so, and, you know, like, um, she had a nice day there yesterday, so maybe it'll happen again. Maybe. June's here again. She's pleased to see him. 
Uh, he is pleased to see her. You know who is not pleased to see her are the other four Mega Rangers who have followed Shun to the park. Now, at first, her back is to them. So right. they don't realize that this is Android number 167. They're just like, oh my gosh, Shun is here with there the There she is. Um, right, like that's... Kenta says, like, I can't believe that he's out here with a girl when we have Mega Ranger stuff to be doing. And Like, come on, man. And Miku hops in to agree very quickly. <laughs> yeah, Miku is, is extremely salty. And in fact, she extremely is... Extremely salty about all of this. She is so quick to agree and so salty about it that, like, Kenta and Koichiru, like, look at her funny. And Chisato has to, like, step in and be like, no, yes, you are totally right. Yeah, like, that is... That is bad, or whatever. It, it's a it, it's a nice Chisato moment of like her, like sort of like covering for Miku. No, it is. It's very nice. These are good so, kids, Dave. Um, they are. They're extremely good. So there, she turns around and Kenta sees her face and immediately runs over and is like, "Hey, you're like an evil mind control person. What are you doing with our Shun?" How are you trying to seduce him? This is terrible. You're terrible. And Shun jumps in. He's like, wait, Kenta, hold on. Like, like hold up, my dude. Stop Stop 100% of what you're doing. Kuichiro is like, well, yes, but like, you see her face, right? Like, do you remember the briefing from mere moments ago? This is the person? Where like, it is very definitely her. And Shun is like trying to come up with a response to this, but is... Thankfully, stopped from having to think too hard because Neo Batnezare immediately appears and starts attacking them. Yeah, that uh, he does solve that problem pretty pretty quickly, which is very convenient of him. Did he have like a Wolverine claw on one hand last episode? Because he definitely he does did now. actually. Yeah, no, he does. It's like it's more of like a Vega claw, it but is yeah, more like a Vega claw. So, <laughs> um, this is amazing. Shun drops like a whole new power that we did not know he had oh virtual vision power is it's virtual vision and what it is is that he uses his like sentai power to insert really what it is is it's closest to like a classic like green ranger illusion power he inserts uh, neobat nezare into base like a hollow deck like a hostile hollow deck where there's like a gangster movie going on and everybody is just using Tommy guns to shoot Neo Bat Nazareth. It's very good. He places them in a he places him in a movie titled uh let's see, I wrote this down so that I could make sure I had it right. Virtual Vision Theater, Neo Bat Nazare in Jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, he uh, gets shot about a hundred times. It's yeah, it's quite a bit. And what's really fun about it is that as this happens, like, the way that the show suggests to you that he is inside a movie is that, like, the, what, like, it doesn't fill up the whole screen anymore. It, like, chops off bits of the screen to make it look like he's in, like, a widescreen shot, like, in a movie theater. Yeah, it's real cool. Um, Neo Betnezere does not fare well during this attack, and as he gets out... He's like, ah, you've you've defeated me for now, but I'll I'll get you yet. Yeah, and he just you know he he gets out of there. Yeah, he dips. So uh, we go from there real quickly to Inet Medical, and the girl is in a coma 
and Dr. Kubota arrives and he's like, hey, like, she's definitely an, an android. Uh, technically, she's a gynoid, but whatever. Um, okay. Because she's a ladybot. Um, anyways, I didn't, that's not, that's not a, I mean, it is a dumb joke because I split hairs about it, but I did not invent the phrase gynoid. I, that is not a term I had heard before. Yeah. Um, so he says, like, listen, I'm just going to use Android because that's what they say in the show. Um, yeah, no, 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 that's fine. I'm, I'm being dummy. Uh, they say, okay, this is an Android. This is a malfunctioning Android because what has happened is, like, this unit has a, so, like, radio receiver in it that is meant to receive instruction from, like, an outside source, probably neo Batnesere, But it looks as though that component has been damaged by, like, some, like, high-impact blunt force trauma. So, right. so at the beginning of the episode, when she got hit by the truck, it, like, damaged her in such a way that it freed her from being controlled by neo Batnesere. Yes. Now, of course, not only, like, she herself is unaware of this. Like, she doesn't know. Right, because she also is, is not like, even whatever the android version of amnesia is, that's what she's got. Yeah, it's not even clear that she knows that she's an android. No, I don't believe she is. Like, actually, I think it is clear later in the episode that she did not know that up to this point. Yeah. So, um... And they say, like, well, okay, Dr. Kubota, like, so what's, 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 our, what's our next step? Like, what do we do? <laughs> and apparently the next step is, like, well, she needs to be dismantled. She is a r- robot made by the Nezere, yeah. and we don't know what her capabilities are. This so, could very easily go badly for us, so we're just going to take her off the table. Shun is horrified by this. Right. You're not going to dismantle her, his new cute robot girlfriend? Yeah, so he, like, tears off, beats the snot out of the guards that are, like, outside of her room, wakes her up, and then, like, they run. Yeah, Dr. Kubota, like, calls him on his uh, digitizer. He's like, dude, Shun, you are making a mistake. What are you doing, my man? And Shun is like, listen, and he's like, I, like, I know. I know I'm doing bad. But, like... I'm a, I'm a teenage boy, and this is my pretty new robot girlfriend, and also she plays the flute like my dead mom. Like, what do you, what do you want <laughs> yeah, from me, man? Like, like, my options are extremely limited here. So this is, I'm just, I'm just doing my best. So because this show does, has spent all of its budget on blowing up a few cars and only has two sets, uh, we go back to the high school. And, and yeah. we are, they are hiding out... Uh, in the music room of the high school. In the music room. The, like, I mean, I guess it's, they could have been hiding out in, like, the digital research lab, and that would have been marginally more obvious. This is the second most obvious room that they could have chosen to hide in. Well, as we'll see in a moment, it's not an effective hiding spot. It is not. Um, because she <laughs> should even says, like, you can come to school here. She very definitely cannot do that, Shun, but whatever. Uh, and he says, I'll beat Bat Nazare and then you'll be safe. 
but then Bat Nazare is in the room and he does attack them right yes. then. So he like scratches Shin across the face and scratches number 167 across the arm. And when he does that, there's like an exposed bit of like circuitry that's sparking on her like right arm. She freaks out about that. Shun runs over to like stop him from killing her. They both tumble out the window. Shun manages to transform like on the way down. By the way, Shun transforms three times it's during a this episode. Real good. He transforms three times during this episode, and at no point does he like do the full transformation sequence. It's always this like while running or jumping or shouting transition. It's great. Yeah, he does. It's a bunch of great tensions. Uh, they land outside the school and they're immediately like on a field next to the beach. Um, and I know that we we I feel like we've kind of gotten away from talking about the uh, the geography of this show and how it can shift very rapidly. Uh, but uh, but it's pretty yeah. We go right from like very definitely at the school to very definitely at the beach. And what's weird is in a second. Uh, Android number 167 is going to seem to be watching this fight from the window of the music room and then just immediately be there, which seems to suggest that this school is like directly on the beach, but no other actual shots of the school up to this point have given us that sort of indication. No, they've very definitely been in sort of like the middle of a city, but, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so here's <laughs> here's what you get. So we the rest of the Rangers show up and the fight kind of gets rolling and they're like, okay, well we know like we kind of already know this dude's deal. Like he does sound wave attacks, so we just need to invert those and then we'll be fine. So uh Miku is like, I'll analyze it using my satellite. But Neobat Nezare is is upgraded. And he is producing like five or six different like overlapping sounds. And it kind of is shifting all over the place. So it's achieving the same effect, but you can't like counter frequency it in the same way that you could before. Right. Um, And so they're standing there, you know, like holding their heads and writhing around because they just can't, just cannot fight this bat. Um, Android number 167, however looks out the window, sees all this happening, and then her arm, like, sparks again, and she looks down at it, and suddenly has a wave of memories come back to her, like, of her creation and of her time, like, right before and leading up to the car crash. And it's really interesting, because she's a ro- like she's an android, so she's got, like, android memories... Yeah. And and they are, pre- like, the way that the show, like, presents that to you is that all of her memories are shown to you as, like, a sort of a staticky, flickering, like, camera shot. Like, as though it was not viewed by a person. It was, like, recorded by a machine, and we're seeing, like, a corrupted playback of it. It's very cool. Yeah, it is. It's a really imaginative way to to kind of handle that. So she shows up and she's like, I like she can do it. And so she pulls out her flute and she uses her flute to to counter 
Bat Nazare's noises, but she's running out of time. Yes. And she does this for a, a little bit, and like she, he turns up his volume, and she plays the flute faster, which apparently is the same as being doing it louder. Um, I guess because flutes can only get so loud, um, and you need to change one of the variables, so you just do it faster, right? That's that's how sound yep. works. Yep, that makes sense. Um, and eventually, he has to crank his volume all the way up, and it does knock her over, but. Like, for whatever reason, he has to, like, stop. He stops putting out his sound in that moment as well. Maybe he had to, like, he has to, like, recharge his batteries or something. I don't know. Yeah. I Who who knows? Um, But 167 goes down. This is the end. And Shun's like, why did you do it? And she's like, I wanted to save you. And then she gives him the flute, which is, I mean, it's his flute right. already. But she gives it back to him, I guess. Um. And then she just like runs over to Bat Nazare and explodes. <laughs> Which is like sad, but also like you know it's done to be sad, and it is sad, but also just watching her explode is kind of hilarious. It's because it's so weirdly unexpected. Like it's unexpected, but I do really appreciate it because, like, well, she isn't. Like, like she is not evil, but she is, like, a Nezere robot monster thing. And when you kill the monsters in these shows, they explode. And so the yeah. fact that she just, like, you know, blows up is very unexpected, but also kind of perfect. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, so Shun flips out uh and then we get an extremely good sequence so shun like has the flute he throws it up into the air kind of in the direction of bat nezere like full-on power runs at bat nezere like through the explosions pulls out uh like runs up like gets right up in his grill pulls out his gun and shoots Bat Nezere directly through the abdomen and like blasts out the other side. Bat Nezere collapses and should just like reaches up and catches the flute that he threw. It's extremely good. Uh, yeah, it's rad. So then uh, giant Bat Nezere and then... And then no more this, giant I, Bat Nezere. Like that's... Yeah. It is in my notes. This is one of the shortest fights on record in Sentai. It's it's got to be less than ten seconds. Like he goes giant. They summon Galaxy Mega. They cut him mid air. Like they don't even land before they activate Galaxy Saber. Yeah. and then that's it. It's it's honestly kind of a shame that they did it at all because the way that Shun defeated him looked so cool it was so oh, so much better and it's, it's it was really it's just like you know it's just a hat on a hat like you don't need that extra fight um, yeah. but they did it and then he's dead and then that's the end of that um we cut from there to like later they're all back at the park and Shun is standing away from the other ones and he's just like standing there and looking out into just staring out into the middle distance and letting, like, the wind blow through his beautiful hair um, while the other four sort of watch him at a respectful distance. Uh, Miku is sad because she knows that she is hurting, but she doesn't know how to help him. 
and then and Chisato is like, listen, like the way that you can help him is just like when you can, when you see him tomorrow, just be his friend the way that you do every day. Like that's that is what he needs. Uh, and and for a moment, I expected them to end the episode with them all walking over to him and like putting their arms around his shoulders and then let them I don't know going off to get lunch or something. But it doesn't. It just ends with him standing there sad and the rest of them watching yep. him sadly. Yep, that's uh, it's a good episode, Dave. Uh, it is. It's an extremely good episode. That is it for that episode. But of course, it is not it for our episode because first we need to determine where. Bat Nazare slash Neo Bat Nazare lands in the Creature Royale. Yeah. I like this dude, Dave. Yeah, he's got okay. Well he has he's got a lot going for him. He A has a, two very good plans. Yes. And he's got a good look, and he's in multiple episodes. He's got so two we, good looks. So we you know, we kind of get that he's got a little bit more of an arc than a lot of monsters do. Yeah, like he, you know, I don't, you know, he's not top 10, right? No, number, no, definitely num- not. Because number 10 is uh, Birdcage Vagrant. Um, But like, I think he's maybe, I was going to say top 25. Number 25 right now is Dr. Yagami. So no, I I don't think he's at he is not at Doctor Yagami. Doctor Yagami has like a really extended arc, and he's like a key part of the series for a, mm-hmm. like a full third of um of Kaka Ranger. Okay, like the first third, Doctor Yagami's running around. Um. Okay, but like I let's think... compare him to maybe like a. Okay, like 10 or 11 down from there, Lipstick Songstress. I, in, in, That's actually just who I was looking at because she also has kind of a similar vibe. Yeah, like, like mind control, quite, music. Yeah, uh, exactly. So I think where he slots is like as a monster of the week, but who's a very good monster of the week. I would say he is right in that right in that zone. I actually, number 40 is Elekinta, who is like the, the speed force dimension flash, but on a motorcycle. Oh, that guy was also very good. That guy's also very good. But again, he's cool, but he doesn't have much of a plan and he's only in the one episode. So I think Neo Batnezri is right in that zone. Okay. Uh, if he, if he's not cooler than Elekinta, I do like him more than XX Milano, the pizza maker. Yeah, who was and then definitely just to, memorable, but not as, like, good, maybe. Yeah, and if we go down from there, we're in, like, Bara Micron, Meteor Bam, Sarugami the Ninja Monkey, and I do. I like I like him better than all of those yeah. dudes. So, okay, so a, I might say... Maybe just above got, Alicanta? I would say maybe just below Alicanta, because I've got kind of a soft spot for Alicanta, because he reminds me of The Flash. But uh, I think that's I, very I would go respectable. Above. Yeah. Okay, so we'll say Elakinta stays at number forty, but Neo Batnezare is our new number in 41. new forty-one. Right on. Well, Dave, then that is going to do it for another episode of the Spy Who Loved Mega Ranger. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all that you can email the show at supersentibrothers at gmail.com. If you want to get any updates on future episodes or check out the things that we're talking about on Twitter, we are at Super Sentai Bros. If you like the show, and I hope that you do, 
Uh, remember that shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. If you want to rate, review, subscribe on there, or wherever it is that you find your podcasts, that would be pleasant of you. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. To listen to all the other great Retrograde Orbit Radio shows, you can do it all at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. And we'll see you next week for the greatest show on Earth.